One man's finest weapon is his tongue. It is a sharp sword crafted from wit and valor. However, his embarrassing face makes him feel doomed to live in solitude, always one degree away from the woman he loves. The man, Cyrano. The play, Cyrano de Bachiac de Aimant Rostin. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get Bonjour. 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 Hey, you guys. (laughs) This is Kari. And this is Alexis. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Now, uh, I just want to make a note that our podcast from now on will be video podcasts. Yes, we're doing it. So if you like to see our faces, (laughs) head over to YouTube. That's Lit Society Pod on YouTube. I have no eyebrows. So head over there just to see what that's like. Then you can just click out. All you right. mean like a middle brow or <laughs> no. like eyebrows? No, I just got bob <laughs> patches in eyebrows. <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm okay, not wearing makeup. It. Tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> see, my self-perception is all messed up because I don't have <laughs> eyebrows. Alexis, I want to ask you a question. Okay. How is your... I mean, <laughs> we, we. <laughs> How is your self-perception? You know, just when I think I think one way about myself, then somebody else sure enough comes around and tells me something else. And for example, I went on vacation recently and one of my friends has said, I like how you've made this trip all about you. And I just didn't get it because I didn't know what I had done. But to me, that means that person was seeing something differently from the way how the way I was presenting myself. So I don't know. It's a little mix up. That's difficult because you never want to be the type of person that is always rubbing people the wrong way because you don't yeah. know how to convey accurately um, your ideas or um, your emotions. So that leads us to the theme of the week closely tied to this week's book, which is actually a play. So listeners, if you've been listening to us a while, you know that each week, Usually we have a brief theme, (laughs) a short theme, a short discussion inspired by the book. And this week, the theme of the week is how to improve self-perception. So now I want to talk to our listeners for a second. We're going to get honest. It's just you and me, um, me and you and Alexis. Oh, I was going to say I'm listening too. So (laughs) don't forget. And our thousands of listeners all over the globe. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Hey. (laughs) I'm not an expert in psychology. However, expert or not, I know something about you. I know that at a young age, you decided where you fit into the world. Maybe this designation uh, was helped along by your family or your birth order. I love diving into birth order and that how that affects who we become. Or perhaps it happened during grade or middle school or in gym class. Maybe you were picked first all the time or picked last. Did a helpful teacher or counselor make one statement that you decided to live in harmony with or forever against? If so, then that was the moment. That was when you became aware that because of how you look, act or where you come from, people see you in a way and expect certain things from you. 
This self-perception caused you to label yourself as athletic, pragmatic, or beautiful. On the other hand, maybe you decided you were unworthy of affection, ugly, or stupid. Whatever self-perception we've nurtured, it's affected our life until today. The choices we make, the people we date, how we raise our children are all shaded by how we see ourselves. Would you agree with that, Alexis? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. So if our self-perception is tainted, our entire lives will be affected. So how can we alter and improve our vision of ourselves? I found some helpful advice by Dr. Malachi Thompson III on lifehack.org. Lifehack isn't um, a website I use often because it's a little too SEO for me. Like Lifehack? I don't know. I don't trust it. That sounds like marketing. <laughs> but You would know, wouldn't you? Um, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But this article, I um, agreed with a lot of its points and I'm going to share five with you guys now and get your thoughts, Alexis, um, on if you feel these are helpful. So here are a few tips on how to pres- um, improve the way we see ourselves. Number one, learn to detach from others projections. OK, OK, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> So instead of cutting off communication with everyone who's ever hurt our feelings, which would make life so lonely, (laughs) learn to see when someone might actually be projecting their negative self-image upon you. Maybe a thoughtless comment, for example, said just in the moment has nothing to do with you. Maybe it's all about how they see themselves, which is usually the case. I've been guilty of it. And later I thought, I don't I think I wasn't listening. (laughs) I think I was uh, just filling in the gaps with my own life experience uh, when that person was talking or living. So we're all we can all be guilty of it. But when you are on the receiving end of sharp, unsavory criticism, there's a high chance that another person might be projecting. They're unwittingly showing you how they see the world or how they see themselves. How do you detect it? Yeah. So that can be tricky because you don't want to um, deceive yourself into thinking, well, that's a you problem. That's not a right. me problem. But w- what we can look for are habits. And this isn't in the article. Um, I'm just sharing my experience, um, especially when you have insight into someone's life and you kind of know their traumas and their triggers mm-hmm. and also what brings them joy. You understand more um, why they say what they say and why they do what they do. Um, so there's um, often uh, people repeat a scripture saying that uh, love is patient. Love is kind. That mm-hmm. patience and kindness from love comes from understanding. So when you understand someone, you let them sometimes get away with a little bit more. <laughs> Not because you're a pushover, but because you have that insight. You're like, oh, I know why my friend acting like that today. Mm-hmm. Or I don't. And that's OK, too. You know, mm-hmm. so um, that's really all we can do because we can't. Uh, read minds and hearts. So we never 100% know, but we can use that insight that we have on someone to kind of see if they're self-projecting onto us, especially when the, when a comment comes from out of nowhere. Yeah. The, those are the easier to tell ones, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially with women. You like, what day of the month is it girl? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you say hey. so, sis. And your friends will do that to you. They will do that to you. <laughs> so number so number one was to detect uh, projections from others. And number two is to recognize how others have shaped your view of yourself. So understand 
that you see yourself in certain ways because of what others have said. And that's completely normal. That's how you grow. You decide what works. Even as children, they push boundaries and they decide what works from their with their parents based on their parents reaction. So that's just part of being a human. That's fine. But um, as a child, our motivation and performance was highly influenced by how authority figures encouraged us. And sometimes those authority figures may not have had our best interest in mind, or they may have been dealing with their own baggage. There's a great graphic on a website that I'll put in the show notes, um, but it talks about a static mindset versus a progress mindset. And static not moving is always about my abilities and talents determine my success. A progress mindset says my effort and attitude determine my success. So abilities and talents aren't something we can change today, right now in this moment, but your effort and attitude, you actually have control of every second of every day. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, I love that. So because mm-hmm. it, it places the um, the reins in your hands. There is it something just, I can do. Yeah, exactly. That's all I was going to say. Another point um, it, with a static mindset, someone might think I'm no good at solving problems. I'm just not good at it. I just never been good at it. I'm not good at it. But a mm-hmm. progress mindset is I can improve my problem solving abilities. I'm going to write that down right now, but not for problem solving, for creativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexis loves to go, you guys, I'm working on a new show. This is Alexis. I'm Alexis. You guys, I'm working on a new show. Also, I'm not a creative person. I'm just not good at it. I'll be like, Alexis, can you? I can't do it. I'm, I'm not creative. Wait a second. Because <laughs> I know you created a whole person. But anyways. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> moving not by on. myself, though. moving on uh perhaps a static mindset thinker might say when i hit an obstacle i give up it's not worth it my mama Mm -hmm. did this mama i'm gonna put you on blast she was trying to open something in our kitchen she tried twice and she said oh forget it i said now (laughs) whose mama are you because we don't do that Uh okay it depends on how you feel you might not feel like the thing is she didn't care enough yeah, she exactly. didn't care enough in the you moment to try. And that's totally to fine, enough. too. Mm-hmm. I just like uh, putting my mama on blast. <laughs> Whereas a progress mindset thinker might say, when I hit an obstacle, I see it as an opportunity to take a different path. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I'm being let go at work. Let me travel the world and <laughs> pursue my creativity. <laughs> that's Alexis. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, and another one. This is the last one I'm going to um, pull from the chart, but it says a uh, static mindset thinker will say, I've done the best I can. And, and mm. in, a, in a little static. Mm, outside of context, that's a fine thing to say. But when you really look at it, it means you can't do any better. Whereas a progress mindset would say, is this really the best I can do? Question yourself, push yourself, stretch yourself. That requires a lot to do that, though, Kari. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's it's all about mindset. And do you want to do that? If you decide that it's not something that you want to focus on or improve at, fine. But if it is something that, say, it's something that you've always wanted to do, then that's exactly the mentality you want to take on. 
is this the best I can do? Can I do more? I love that. I love that. Karen. Me too. And sometimes like uh, it's important to have humility too. It's if you're delegating some um, type of workload, for example, have the humble mindset to say, is this the best we can do as a team? Or if I bring someone else on and delegate this task to them, would the task be done better? You know what I mean? And we can mm-hmm. think of that even in our family, like, delegating your family trust people to handle things um Mm -hmm. and your friends you know they want to be there for you so anyway that's all under actually number two so that's a really juicy uh point there. Recognize how others have shaped our view of ourselves. That's all under that. Um number three learn to use negative self-perception to your advantage. Maybe the voice telling you no is helping you to avoid negativity and heartbreak. Uh, This can be tricky because if you were in an abusive relationship, for example, and then you're in a new relationship and they buy you flowers, you might be like, what you do that you buying me flowers now? (laughs) And that person's like, oh, I thought this was normal. (laughs) And you're like, "Uh -uh, I see through it. Let me see your cell phone. See, you you acting damaged, which we all damaged to a point. (laughs) That's exactly right. You are acting damaged. <laughs> Each um, new relationship, friendship, whatever is a new relationship. They should get a free start. <laughs> not a pass. Ain't nothing free start. in this world. But a anyway, <laughs> a benefit of the doubt, okay? That's from Alexis. I didn't tell y'all that. So anyway, <laughs> recognize when your inner self is trying to help you, though, stay safe and when it's actually hindering you. That's hard. I'll leave that there. Number four, reframe the language inside of your head. This kind of goes back to a static mindset versus progress mindset. Um, don't make blanket blanket or hyperbolic statements about yourself to you. For example, don't say, no one loves me, I'm ugly. Are you sure? Because a lot of ugly people getting loved on out here. Remember Jane from what the you- other Bennett sister? <laughs> yeah, remember Mary. I put that on a t-shirt, remember Mary, but from the other Mary. Bennett sister. <laughs> All right, Mary, not Jane, sorry. Mm-hmm. Remember Mary. <laughs> Uh, go back and listen to that episode if you have no clue what we're talking about. Um, instead of saying, uh, you know, I'm no one loves me and I'm unattractive, say right now, I feel that no one loves me. So validate your feelings. That's fine you're, because your feelings are valid. At the moment, I don't feel attractive. Don't nobody feel attractive all the time. And if they do, they probably lack in, in uh, correct self-perception. <laughs> like me on YouTube today. I ain't attractive. Sorry. Not sorry. (laughs) And lastly, five, forget positive affirmations in favor of truthful perception, self-perception. I was so happy when I read this. Don't you remember feel the fear? It's all about positive affirmations. Yeah, Alexis love waking up in the morning at 5 a.m. going, I am beautiful. I am loved. To me, that's foolishness. If you want to know more about how to do that, though, go back and listen to uh, Feel the Fear and do it anyway from season one (laughs) of our podcast. However, I was so happy when I um, read this because, yeah, I hate uh, positive affirmations. I just don't know who that's for. Um, So one thing this doctor says is no amount of positive self-talk can transform negative self-perception if we don't believe they could be true. So that's important. Mm. If you Mm -hmm. in your heart do believe somewhere that these positive affirmations are true, then perhaps that is good to continue um, repeating them. 
But you could also develop phrases you actually believe that guide you to look in the direction of how you want to see yourself. I'm working toward improving how I see or feel about myself. I'm learning and practicing how to adjust this aspect of myself so it better serves me. Things like that. So I'll leave that there. Um, our protagonist deals with a lot of negative self-perception, despite how others around him seem to perceive him. Um, so it seems like he carries a lot of baggage just in his head because of how he perceives himself. And everybody else is like, mm, I don't actually see you that way, but he never listens to mm. them. So I thought this was a, a great theme to dive into. Well, yeah, I loved it. Great. Would you like to take a break and then we'll get into the context? Let's. All right, let's do it. And we're back. Alexis, can you please give us some background on Edmond Costin and perhaps his information for writing Cyrano de Berchiac? So, Edmond was born in Marseille, France in 1868 to a wealthy family. He died in 1918 during the flu pandemic in Paris. He was a French poet and playwright. He studied literature, history, and philosophy at a college in Paris. His first play was a one-act comedy a one-act comedy that was performed when he was 20 years old. It went by unnoticed. The play we're covering today, Cyrano de Bergerac, was first performed in Paris in 1897 and was quite popular. The production lasted 300 consecutive nights. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Mm. It was translated into English, German, Russian, and all other kinds of European languages rather quickly. Cyrano de Bergerac remains his most popular play. And I'm sure you're familiar, Kari, with several adaptations, movie adaptations from the film. Are yep. you? I'm familiar with the one with Steve Martin. I think it's called Roxanne. I don't know anything about that movie, so I can't recommend it. But I remember watching it um, like after cartoons one day. <laughs> oh, wow. I think it, it might be an 80s movie. I don't know. Mm, mm, I don't I, I know I've seen it. I don't remember it myself. So the play is actually after a real life person named Cyrano de Bergerac. However, just the name only. It was Edmond's um, boyhood hero. He was a novelist. So that is what I have on Edmond Rostal from France. That is so interesting. Now, this is kind of a contemporary work, although it doesn't feel like it. And that's what surprised me the most. Do you know why he chose to write in this style? No, I didn't yeah. see that information. Did this, you see something? No, this is a um, this writing feels older. It feels like 1700s uh, Shakespeare or maybe maybe a century after that, a, a, a evolved version of um, that type of writing. Um, but this is not 
from that time period at all, you know, mm. so late, late 1800s, early 1900s. So I thought that was interesting. Well, thank you for the background on this work. Um, Can you please give us a short synopsis, spoiler free, no spoilers of this work? Mm. OK, let me think about that. <laughs> hmm. Cyrano de Bergerac is skilled with the sword, elegant in his prose, but lacks the confidence to woo his love interest. But when an opportunity arises to reveal the passions of his heart, will he open up? Kari, who do you think would enjoy this play? Yeah, who would enjoy this? That is such an interesting question. Uh, When I first read this, I just want to say I thought this is bad, right? Like, this is terrible. This is gross. And then I was reading it again and I was like, why am I reading this again? And then I was reading it the third time. Like, oh, my goodness. No. (laughs) No. Um, So I will say if you can approach work with an open mind and heart, this is for you. If you're like, oh, it's too things are too. If you have a problem with works being too wordy or too um, old English adjacent then perhaps oh. find Old a French. version. Oh yeah. Or you hate when French is just dropped in like in a Tolstoy novel. Well, listen, there are a million variations of this. So I'm sure there's one out there that would appeal to you. Um, however, if you really, really just hate that, you hate that old school romantic style, then uh, maybe shy away from this. But if you can have an open mind about different works, then I think this would be for you. Hope that makes sense. And Alexis, what were your first <laughs> thoughts of Cyrano de Bergiac by Edmond Rostand? You know, I think we need to change this to question of why did you select this book? Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a better one for me. Yeah. Um, I was flying somewhere. Wait, wait, and- I'm sorry. Bah, bah, bah. New segment on the show. <laughs> A lo- and we can both always talk about why we select a book. I think that's a great idea um, mm-hmm. as we enter our fourth season. Y'all, we've been doing this a long time. So, Alexis, <laughs> please, why did you choose this book? Okay, so listen, I was flying somewhere and I watched an adaptation of this play on the airplane. And I was like, is this how that story actually goes? And I kind of mentioned it to you and you talked about the Steve Martin one and I hadn't even remembered that. So I really wanted to read the original story to uh, see how it went. And I realized that I needed to listen because this play was hard for me to read. And it was a lot of French names that I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, stuck. Can Mm -hmm. we get a, a listen that I can understand? So, yeah, that's why. Mm-hmm. That's why so I you, picked this book. You watched a recorded recorded stage performance on the plane? No, I watched a film adaptation. Oh, okay. You have to share that with us. Did you mm. enjoy it? I was trying to decide, and I, I don't, I don't think I enjoyed it. I don't um, think I, enjoy, I don't, I don't think I enjoyed what they did to it. No, okay. I don't. Okay. All right. No worries. Well, let's move (laughs) on to the um, original work, that original IP, as we take a deep dive into Cyrano de Bergiac by Edmund Rostand. Uh, Please, Alexis, take it away. Okay. So let me start by saying that I needed some support in reading the book. Like I mentioned, I started reading it. For me, it was a little challenging 
there were so many words to look up. And then I started listening to it and that was helpful, but I still needed a little more dumbing down. So I consulted our dear friend, um, Sparknotes. Okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. All right. So the scene begins at a theater for the performance of La Clorice. La Clorice. <laughs> there's activity in the theater. It's a buzz. There's activity with the audience. Um, they want this play to start. The lead of the play is Montfleury. And everyone knows, I don't know if everyone knows, but a lot of, quite a few people know that he's been threatened not to perform. And by whom? Serenno. <laughs> that's correct. Our dear Serenno de Bergerac. And Serrano is known for his skill of words, his skill of sword. And he's also known for having a considerably long nose. So Serrano is just my type. I'm going to get that out the way. (laughs) So that's what I've decided. I felt I'm going to give some of the verdict away. I don't care. I fell in love with him because he is all about poetry and art Mm -hmm. and if you Mm -hmm. don't say your prose correctly he will kill you (laughs) i mean like he'll stop your heart so Mm -hmm. he's he's also a little gangster he read poetry but don't get it twisted okay so you like the intellectual gangster is that right i love that i love a nice although he's he's also braggadocious which i absolutely hate um, but if I just give him a pass, cause you know, whatever, you know how <laughs> women are. <laughs> so, I mean, he is, he can make poetry on the spot. He is a writer. He is a thinker. He is an intellect and he expects nothing less from everyone around him. And especially if they on the stage. So he yes. stands by his words. He'll be like, I told you last week, you're not a good actor. And I kill you if you was on the stage again. Why are you on the stage? Do you hate living? Okay, 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 okay. okay. Slow Let down. me mute my slow mic. Down, slow down, slow down, Okay. <laughs> so I mentioned Cyrano, but he's not actually there. Let's talk about a couple other characters. This is uh, Legionnaire. He's a drunk and a poet. And he arrives at the theater and he's joined by a handsome yet simple Christian de Novelette. we hate Christian and he's soon to join the guard and Christian immediately notices a beautiful woman he's been seeing her at plays recently at some of the plays recently and he's just like he's only been town in town a couple weeks but he's seen this woman and he is she is beautiful and he's like "Mm, I love her so Lester tells <laughs> Christian that this woman is cousin to Serrano, one of the men, uh, a man that has uh, threatened Montfleury. And Serrano is this really great guy. You know, he's talented. <laughs> Everyone I mean, loves we love him. him. We mm-hmm. love him. He is great. Yeah. And so then let me tell you who the cousin is. It is Roxanne. She is as beautiful as Christian is handsome, but she has what Christian lacks intellect. <laughs> we also see the entrance of Count de Gichi. I think that's his name. And he, now I think this is right, he's married. Oh, I didn't but get that. He has an interest in Roxanne. Okay. Oh, that might and be. he is pursuing her. So now, Degichi has power. 
Cyrano has intellect, skill and the sword, uh, skill with the sword and with the word. Christian has beauty and they all love Roxanne. It must be your face because it ain't your mind. Oh, or whatever Beyonce no, said. No, no, that's that's for Christian. That's Christian. It's yeah, his he's face, trash. not his mind. Yeah. Okay. A friend of Cyrano, Ragano, is a baker, and he allows poets to pay him in poetry. <laughs> Love it. His wife hates that. She hates it a lot. She hates okay? him she too like, a little, I, and I yeah. can't hate her for it. Also, she like, why do we have a cash register full of poetry? <laughs> I can't pay my bills on poetry. That is what she said. Meanwhile, uh, guards stop up and she sweet talking with him. Unbeknownst to Ragnarok. But that's a side thought. I anyway, that. Okay. He arrives at the theater looking for Sereno. That's Reginald. Because he knows Ma Fleury has been banned and he's about to perform tonight. So... Before the performance begins, we learn that Legionnaire, that's the drunk and the poet, he had made some enemies with his poetry. He done made a poem about um, <laughs> some higher up. And he was like, oh, I made this great poem. It was, you know, fancy and whatnot. And I saw so he all against the rapper. Yeah, he a gangster mm-hmm. rapper. He ain't afraid to name you. And he be like, first things he first. He named names. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and finish that as you wish. He names names, okay? Mm-hmm. So he angered some of those powerful men and they want to see him daddy, daddy-o, okay? <laughs> so the play begins. My Fleury takes the stage and begins. Enter pop-up Cyrano. We here. Didn't I tell you to get off this stage? Okay, I told you not to perform tonight. My <laughs> Florey stammers. He stammers. He like, but I just, I, I mean, he said, didn't I tell you? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. <laughs> but others <laughs> come you to did. his defense. They come to his friends, and Cyrano threatens my Florey with the sword, and my Florey flees the stage. Now these crowd is angry. They demand satisfaction, and. <laughs> Cyrano throws a bag of money to the theater master to give the patrons their money back. Meanwhile, as I said, <laughs> there was people coming to Montflory's defense like, hey, who you think you is? Who are you? You tough guy. Come on. Mm-hmm. De Geechee, I mentioned him early. He's married, but he want to get involved with somebody else. Um, he's annoyed by scenario, <laughs> Cyrano, and he sends his right-hand man, Valvere, to take care of Cyrano. He's like, go on and take him out. I'm tired of his voice. Mm-hmm. there decides that he wants to attack Cyrano with words by calling his nose, what? Very large. <laughs> Cyrano's like, <laughs> is that the best you can do? And he proceeds to give there at least 18 different words that he could have used to describe his nose. And this, of course, embarrasses Valvera. And Valvera, now in defense, challenges Cyrano to a duel. Cyrano now, this is a tactic. I'm sorry. This is a tactic that some people use to defeat bullies. Instead of you talking about me, I'm going to talk about me worse than you ever could. I hate this. Yeah. Uh, so Cyrano goes on way too long about his old, his own <laughs> nose. And it's common knowledge that if you look at Cyrano directly in the nose, he might fight you. So to outwardly say something about it, you just ask him for a beating. 
But then Sierra knows like, that's all you got? How come you didn't say this about my nose or this? And the first few turns of phrase are like, oh, Sierra, no, you so clever. Three <laughs> hours into him dissing his own nose, you like, but a psychiatrist though. Maybe therapy? I don't know. They say, do better. You is not skilled. Don't come to me with a very large nose. That's small talk. Okay. Yeah. It's like so. in, in Her Shoes, that movie, when she was like, did you just say fat pig? You're my <laughs> sister and that's the best you can do. Sorry, y'all. Go ahead. <laughs> so many more digs you can do. <laughs> anyway, he challenges him to a duel. Cyrano accepts and tells Valverde, listen, okay, you really want to do this, we can do this. And here's how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to recite a poem and at the end of the poem, you're going to be dead, okay? Listen, I'm not <laughs> reciting a poem. I'm making a poem up on the spot while I fight that's you. That's right. That's so while right. we fighting, I'm going to make a poem. I'm going to freestyle. I am a cypher rapper. And then for my last line, I'm going to pierce your heart. All right. Stroke for stroke. <laughs> and everyone's like, line. oh, we getting a show. We pay for a show and we getting one. It ain't the one we pay for, but get the popcorn. That's right. Again, stroke for stroke, a line by line, ending in Valveras death. Okay. So Cyrano leaves, you know, because when you duel, you duel and you just die and that's it. So you get to walk away. I don't think he died in this part. The uh, other gentleman died, but he's wounded gravely. Oh, he's wounded he gravely. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Cyrano, you didn't have to kill him. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. That's what had happened. All right, y'all. So Cyrano leaves kind of, I mean, kind of in a the theater, but still leaves. But he sees his friend, Labret. Labret tells him, you know, you're really making a lot of enemies. You need to pump your brakes. And Cyrano is like, but I love it. It's fun. <laughs> I'm better than they are. And Labret is like, yeah. why do you hate my Fleury so much? So he is like, as Kyrie mentioned, he can't act and he don't spit his prose right. He <laughs> ugly and he winked at my woman. Oh, what? But Brett's <laughs> like, who is your woman? <laughs> he puts it together that the only woman that Cyrano could possibly love and that could match his wit is Roxanne. Okay, his cousin. Roxanne. They kissing cousins. <laughs> Let it slide. Fuck is all into their cousins, okay? <laughs> And uh, Lebrett tells Serena to tell her, tell her you love her. It's okay. Do that. Serena tells Lebrett that Roxanne could never love him because his nose is so long. Soon after, Roxanne's wait, wait. governess. Wait, I'm sorry. This is right after a woman openly flirts with Cyrano. So Cyrano has just oh, gravely wounded, wounded an enemy. And the concession stand lady is like, Cyrano, you want some snacks? <laughs> Cyrano secretly, yeah. when he threw that money on stage, that's all the money he owned in the world. See, this is the mm -hmm. Kanye part of him that I don't care for. So... um, <laughs> He threw his whole life savings on stage just to month, month savings. Month, he had a job. Don't he do threw, him like that. He threw his whole life savings on stage <laughs> just to flex. And then the um, concession stand lady is like, oh, Cyrano, you'll be fighting and stuff and making poetry. You want some snacks? And he was like, no, fair lady, no snacks for me. Really, he broke. And she's like, uh-uh, these is free snacks. He like, okay, I'll take one gummy bear. But that's it. And a glass of wine. <laughs> but only a sip. But only a sip. And then his friend is like, don't you see how the woman love you? And he was like, I guess. But I love but Roxanne and she can never love, love me. Exactly. I love Roxanne and Who she won't love Who told you that, Sierra? No. Who told you you couldn't get these women? Who told mm -hmm. you that? Women 
because he's love ugly men. We love ugly men who can write poetry. Duh. Everybody know that. I don't want you to say that, but I could love an ugly man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't marry an ugly man. We ain't going to marry him, but we love him. <laughs> no. No, Kari. No. That's not it. Yeah, That's it's not early. It. Just forget my thought. Go ahead. Right. Forget my thought. <laughs> anyway. Soon after, Roxanne's governess arrives and tells Cyrano that Roxanne wants to meet with him tomorrow and he needs to name the time or place. He was like, great, let's get to Reginald's Reginald's restaurant at 7 a.m. early, prompted, bring her. The governess leaves. Legionnaire comes in. Remember him? He's a drunk poet that had men after him. He comes in, he tells Cyrano, there's at least 100 men out to kill me tonight because of my poetry, you know. They don't like the way I sing, the way I rap. He ain't Cyrano. telling the truth. It's because I be dissing everybody in these in these uh, in these rhymes, okay? And now they want to kill me for some reason. That's right, <laughs> death upon him. Cyrano's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. I will take care of you. And then there's a crowd from the theater. They're like, oh, we want to watch too. He said, y'all can come and watch, but don't jump in. I got this. <laughs> they follow him and he heads off for a fight. But then we don't know nothing about that fight, y'all, for real. We jump right on to the next scene. <laughs> well, what we do know is Cyrano is so delusional. He is um such a... Uh, there's so much going on with his self-perception. So, yes, he thinks he's ugly and he can never get Roxanne. But he also thinks a hundred men want to kill this man, not for his rhymes, but because he's a friend of Cyrano. He's like, oh, no, they don't want to kill you because of what you've been saying. It's because you know me. <laughs> and then you as a reader, you like, wait, Cyrano. No, I think it's because of the other thing. It's because mm. of his rhymes, Cyrano. It's and Cyrano's like, rhyme. I'm going to go out and fight all these hundreds men. It ain't no thing. Light work. Say that. It ain't no thing. So we arrive at the bakery the next day and Cyrano is nervously awaiting his meetup with Roxanne. And when Roxanne finally arrives, uh, she and Cyrano reminisce about their youth. But I'm going to throw in this side note real quick. Okay, so like I said, Reginald's wife was... um, Reginald's wife was cheating. I'm just going to call him Reginald. Okay. <laughs> Reginald's wife was cheating on him. Okay. And why would they I out there? I did not know this. Yeah. She was cheating on him with the, um, a soldier kind of walked up and they were sweet talking in the corner and Cyrano spotted it. And he was like, that's my friend. Don't be cheating on my friend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don't break his heart like that. All right. That happened. And the soldier is there and he's like, mm-hmm kind of back up probably one of the men in his his group his troop mm-hmm. anyway that happened on the side while they at the restaurant Cyrano notices that so when Roxanne finally arrives she and Cyrano reminisce about their youth as children you know that's her cousin and she notices Cyrano's um, wound on the hand and Cyrano tells her it's from when I defeated 100 men okay so that's the <laughs> most we get about it oh that scratch on my yeah. cuticle uh, yeah, that's because I was fighting 100 men last night, girl. That's right. That's and right. he still don't think she could love him. She still don't think she could love him, <laughs> even though he's she's taking this tender care to see about his wound. And she tells him that she is in love. And Cyrano is like on the edge of his seat because she's like, I love somebody. And he is special. And he was wonderful. <laughs> and also, he is fine. 
And Sarah and was that's like, when Sarah and I was like, oh, you can't be talking about me because I'm dang. ugly. Yeah, that's it. That's not, it's not me. But <laughs> we quickly learned that Roxanne is love in love with who, guess? Christian. Boo. Christian. Christian is going to be a new recruit in Cyrano's guard. And Roxanne wants Cyrano to protect him from getting hazed by the other soldiers. She don't want him to get beat up. Uh, Roxanne also asked Cyrano to tell Christian to write her. Before she leaves, Roxanne makes sure Christian uh, Cyrano knows that he has been fast forwarded to the friend zone. <laughs> now, DeGeechee arrives at the bakery and he said, look, Cyrano, I heard about your adventures last night. I want to offer you an opportunity to work for my uncle. He's so, rich. Uh, Geechee Gotcha is probably one of the men I hired. The hundred men to kill the friend. So when Cyrano killed all them men, Geechee Gotcha was like, oh, I, I could use you to my advantage. Right. That was my next stop. But OK. Cyrano uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> refuses. He refuses. OK. He has declined the opportunity. And LeBrett comes in and he's like, look. You declined an opportunity to become successful and even a famous poet. This is not a good look, friend. You need to um, rethink some of these. Choices. Yeah, rethink <laughs> that stuff. And he's like, look, Cyrano says, I love working by myself. And plus, those men ain't no good. And I don't like working for no good people. Mm. Mm. Principle. So, yeah. Christian arrives on the scene and he's teased by the fellow guards before Cyrano arrives. And they tell him... Don't mention Cyrano's nose because if you do, he going to take you out. As soon as Christian sees Cyrano, he starts talking about his nose. Then why you do that? <laughs> Normally, and kind of clever with it, too. Like, he's a, he's a dummy. He's a beautiful dummy. Uh-huh. However, he do get a little clever with his, his disses. And he's like, oh, your nose. Oh, your big nose. Oh, <laughs> that nose there. Okay. <laughs> Normally, Cyrano would duel with anybody who speaks. Like Kari said, even look at his nose funny. But he remembered his vow to Roxanne. So he embraces Christian. And Christian is like, oh, what? Oh, <laughs> I thought I was going to die. I had to fight my way out of something. And he tells him, look, I'm a friend of the woman you love. He was like, what? No, he says I'm her brother. And um, Christian is like, I didn't even know Roxanne had a brother. He was like, brother, cousin. It's the same thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep, yep. He knows her. And Roxanne wants you to write to him. Okay. Christian is like, oh, Lord, I can't write. I can't read. I was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> and Cyrano says, you ain't smart. You ain't important. You is the help. <laughs> Shout out to Kiggy. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and Rox and um, Cyrano is like, man, I can help you. Don't worry. I got this letter that I wrote right here. You can get this to her. Just put your name on it. He was like, well, don't you got to uh, make some adjustments, you know, so she knows it's to her. He's like, women is vain. And Roxanne, too, is vain. And she will think it's about her. No problem. Just write your name See, in it. See, and he know us. I love Cyrano. <laughs> <laughs> now he knows us anyway Cyrano um, said you could pass these letters off it's gonna be great 
After Roxanne receives the first series of letters, she tells Cyrano how much in love with this man she is. She had, he got away with words, girl. I mean, cousin. (laughs) And I just love him. That is what she said. And then Roxanne even reads a few lines of the poetry to Cyrano and Cyrano pretends to kind of critique it. And Roxanne (laughs) tells Cyrano, you just jealous that Christian's poetry is good as is better than yours, Cyrano. Oh boy. Shortly thereafter, Degichi comes to Roxanne's house. He's like, hey bae. And she like, ugh. <laughs> Look, I'ma go fight this war in Spain, okay? But I'ma take Cyrano and his army men with me, okay? And Roxanne is like, uh-oh. That means my man gonna go. He might die or get injured and I do not want that to happen. So she tells Degichi because she knows he hates <laughs> Yeah, Cyrano. we know it's not Degichi. We know it's Degichi. <laughs> we don't care. We like Degichi. So we don't want to hear about it in the comments. Go ahead. Sorry. Geechee got you. Say what? Okay. Go ahead, say, say all you, you want it. in the comments. I welcome <laughs> yeah. thee. All right. Anyway, um, she told <laughs> him. Geechee is throwing me. I love it. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, what did Gitchi say? <laughs> Gitchi was like, oh, this means she had loved me then. She said, listen, this is what you do to Cyrano. The biggest threat to his equal is to not let him go off to battle. The Gitchi was like, oh, this feels like flirtation, girl. You want me? And she was like, <laughs> I guess if that's what you think, uh, fine. She's just trying to protect the life of the man she loves and her cousin, those two Mm -hmm. men. She don't want them to fight. Really just Christian, though. (laughs) In all honesty. Of course. Okay. So it's a ploy to keep Christian near. It has nothing to do with Cyrano or Tagichi. So Roxanne Mm -hmm. wants Christian to meet up with her. She She wants his poetry to be up close personal and live and in her face. So mm. Roxanne tells Cyrano she wants to hear Christian speak extemporaneously so mm-hmm. she doesn't give him a topic. Just come on and whisper your sweet nothings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I want to hear. Cyrano tells Christian and he is like all nerves immediately. Christian is because he doesn't have the intellect to speak freely and he also feels but he also has a little confidence from the poetry that Cyrano has already written. So he just feels like he could go up to her and be like, girl, give me a kiss. <laughs> That'll be mm-hmm. it. And she will be putty in his hands. And Cyrano tries to plead with him, man, let me help you. Let me get you some little courses a little bit. I'm offering <laughs> classes for you. <laughs> Free she of was charge. like, no, 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 I got this. So Christian leaves off to go and romance his Roxanne. And Cyrano is like, okay. But he secretly lingers nearby so he can watch and listen. That's a little creepy. And and Serena wants Roxanne to be just full of, um, I don't know. He he wants Roxanne for himself, of course. But if he can't have her, he wants her at least to know what it feels like to be loved by a man that can write poetry. (laughs) Ain't nothing wrong with that. Do that what you will. It's Mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. So Christian, of course, falls on his face all right Mm -hmm. and Roxanne is like hey recite some poetry Christian is like give me a kiss I love you she like um can you say it with some more flowery words get this mumble rapper out of here (laughs) and Christian is like give me a kiss 
I love you with cherries on top. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, get out of here, you unintelligent boy. I want me. romance. <laughs> <laughs> so Christian is now ashamed and he looks to Cyrano, who he finds is close by. And Cyrano tells him, listen, I'll give you the words to say. You stand down here in the little darkness and... I'll help you say the words. You could just kind of repeat it back what I whisper in your ear. So after a few minutes of that nonsense, Christian is, um, Cyrano is like, move out the way. Let me talk to my lady. And he begins to speak. Yeah, so wait, wait. Cyrano is in the bushes like, hey, little mama, let me whisper. And and Christian's like, hello, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. And Roxanne is like, oh, this is the man I know. This is dumb. This is the man of that, right? (laughs) And then he pushes Cyrano aside again. He was like, yeah, you set me up real nice. I'm getting ready to go get that kiss. So he go up for the kiss. Meanwhile, there's a friar walking in the area. He looking at all the houses and the doors to see which one Roxanne is in. And he finds Roxanne and he has a message for her. From who, Kyrie? The Geechee Gotcha. The Geechee mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He tells Roxanne that he can't wait any longer. Since she was a little mm-hmm. flirtatious with him that last time, he want to marry her tonight. And Roxanne mm-hmm. is like, uh-oh, nope. I'm not doing that. <laughs> she tells the fire there's a message. That the message says that she should marry Christian right away. So how much time do you need? Because we're going to get married. Roxanne tells Cyrano to go and star the Geechee because he's coming so they could get married and she don't want to do that. Cyrano stars the Geechee by pretending to speak in an accent and the Geechee goes along with it because Cyrano is such a great storyteller. He's so Even with swayed. his um, casual racism. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. When Cyrano <clears throat> finally lets the Geechee go, um, go by, he learns that Roxanne has married Christian. Degichi learns and Cyrano, he already knew that Roxanne was marrying Christian. Angered, he sends Cyrano and Christian off to war. He said, y'all going to war now. <laughs> <laughs> Roxanne begs Cyrano. Roxanne begs Cyrano to keep Christian safe. But Cyrano tells her he can't make such promises, but he will promise her that he'll get the lad to write. So, Cyrano, Degichi, and Christian, they all go off to war. Cyrano writes Roxanne, air day. You hear me? Air day. Mm-hmm. He walking across enemy lines, putting his whole life at risk. Then one day, Degichi arrives. Now, I think I got this little scenario right, but correct me. Where need be, Kari. One day, Degichi arrives and he tells the troops to go off into battle. Um, y'all not likely to return. Ha ha ha. But I'm sick of y'all. Y'all go off to battle. Also, the men are starving. Christian tells Cyrano that he has to write Roxanne one last rattle, a letter. Cyrano is like, done. Did that. Here it is right here. He's like, what? How'd you? What? He said, well, I knew your dad's death was coming, so I had one ready. I just did that. When Mm -hmm. Christian sees the letter Cyrano wrote, he sees a tear staying on it, and he tells Cyrano that he must love Roxanne. 
He's uh, Christian recognizes now that Cyrano is the one who loves Roxanne. Yeah. Christian never said write her every day. Mm-mm. Like you can send her a letter once a month or whatever. But no, Cyrano's been writing her every day every uh, when day. it's time to die because they're soldiers. He's already got words ready and, and they're uh, stained with tears, as Alexis said. So Christian's mm-hmm. like, Cyrano, you love this cousin of yours, don't you? Cyrano is like, uh-uh, no, I don't. I don't know where you heard that from. This is just a letter. I'm a poet. I'm, this is what I do. I be moved <laughs> by my own words. So this is how that mm-hmm. happened. But Christian is devastated. And he insists that he must tell her that Cyrano needs to tell Roxanne so she could choose between the two of them. Meanwhile, y'all, Roxanne done popped up out of nowhere. Do you hear me? Out of nowhere. She done crossed enemy lines with a smile. That's really food. strange. But if you think <laughs> of a traditional way of fighting, it's not like they're hiding and, you know, shooting from behind trees. It's more diplomatic. A gentleman war, maybe. I guess. And so, yeah, she crosses enemy lines with none but a sundress on holding a bag of roses. <laughs> <laughs> and a smile and a smile. Mm-hmm. But she tells Christian she came to see him because them letters. They was moving her. She was moved in her soul by those letters. She was moved so much that she'd rather die on the field with him. So she came at the right time because that was the day they was going to die. <laughs> what a Listen. coincidence. <laughs> hey, perfect timing, right? Mm-hmm. So Christian kisses Roxanne and he walks away like, okay, boom, so glad you're here, but give me a minute. And allows Wait, but what, Christian- what she says is like, I almost wish you weren't beautiful so that I could prove to you how much I love oh, you because of right. your words. That's so right. So this is like the key turnaround um, in that's their story right. mm-hmm. because she's like, I-, I wish I could prove to you that even if you look like, I don't know, let's just say my cousin, I would still <laughs> love you. No, she don't say that. She's <laughs> like, if you were ugly, ugly, if you were ugly, I would love you more because just to prove to you how much I love you. And that's all because of your words. You mm-hmm. you know, I just fell in love with your mind and you know, I just want you to know that. I want you to know it's not about your beauty. I, I actually wish you were ugly. This, of course, breaks his heart, right? Because because now what Christian, does he have going on? Yeah, Christian <laughs> That's now all knows he had. that she loves him and that she would choose him if she knows. So Cyrano she would choose must, Cyrano. Yeah, Cyrano must tell her that he loves her. As Christian walks away. Cyrano goes to Roxanne. He's going to tell her the truth, but he hears a gunshot and they hear the gunshot and they learn that that was Christian. He's been shot dead. And as he lays dead, they see a letter in his pocket that is covered in blood and Roxanne faints. 15 years later, 15, y'all. Foolishness. Roxanne is in a convent. Degichi is somewhere, but nearby, still waiting for her to be available. Okay. And Cyrano visits. No, Degichi done changed a little bit. He ain't as trifling as he used to be. He's got some remorse because he's older. Yeah, he realized he still want her to, you know, come get with him. From the convent? I missed that. That's a shame. <laughs> Go home to your wife. Ooh, Dagiche. Is waiting. Um, I'm sorry. 
Oh, and Cyrano visits Roxanne every week. Every week. Cyrano is a man with many enemies. They want to kill him. And that day finally arrives. One day, he out and about and they dropped a massive log on Cyrano. Cyrano is barely alive, but he makes his weekly visit to Roxanne. Now, Cyrano looks like death and is probably about to die. And Roxanne tells him, you need to take better care of yourself. Cyrano gives Roxanne um, her weekly report, the weekly report, and then asks if he could finally read Christian's letter that she's been keeping in her breast pocket since that faithful day. Mm -hmm. He starts reading the letter. And, and I think what happens is, is it gets dark or the light goes out or something. And Roxanne realizes that Cyrano is reading the letter from heart because he knows it. And she's like, well, how do you know this letter? It was you. You are the one that wrote those letters. You are the one that was at my balcony that night. It was you. You love me. Cyrano dies. She kisses Cyrano. I think it happens at the same time. She kisses him and he dies. Mm -hmm. In any event, that's the end, y'all. Ready for yep. a break? Yep, let's do it. All right. Welcome back. So, Kari, what is your final verdict and would you recommend the book? So, like I said, the first time I read it, I mean, it rhymes in a lot of parts of it. And I felt that that was forced. I felt it was um, almost a spoof of like something from Shakespeare's time. Anyway, I was mm. wrong because I quickly uh, then wanted to listen to it and I listened to, I ended up listening to two versions one was an abbreviated version put on by LA Theater Works it's good but the original um a play in five parts uh that I heard later I appreciated more for the layers in it so if you want a more common language version I'll put this in the show notes there is a shorter version by LA Theater Works and it's good um, but the complete play really explains more why at the end Cyrano didn't want to tell Roxanne that he was the one to write the letters because she's thinking her the love of her life died in battle. And he didn't want to take that from her, which doesn't really make sense in the abbreviated version. It's like, just tell her. Mm -hmm. um, but when you hear it more drawn out, <clears throat> you understand that there is some complexity there. Um, so all of that to say, I really love this work. I'm so glad you recommended it. Um, I don't know what I was thinking the first time I, I read it, uh, but I was thoroughly entertained. I was even moved. And I just love Cyrano. Um, he's just a great example of someone whose self-perception was completely off and damaged his happiness. Um, and I, I just love the lesson there. But anyway, I would definitely recommend it. And I would read it again, like today. I would love to listen to it, especially uh, today. Uh, so what about you, Alexis? What were your thoughts after reading Cyrano de Bergiac? And would you recommend this work? 
So my recommendation is that you listen to it. Find a version that you can listen to. Unless you speak French, then you'll have no problem. Okay, that's <laughs> what I'm going to say about that. Unless you speak French. Um, but I enjoy the story. And I'd like to find a film adaptation of it um, to watch that's close to it. I'd love to see if there's one out there. Even if it's in French, I'd be okay with watching that just to kind of see the visual of it. But um, yes, definitely something to recommend in the audio form, in the present yeah, day and language. I, and I understood more um, with the full work instead of the abridged version that he actually looks like a clown. So this is a man that has to force his masculinity onto others for respect in his mm. mind because he has the appearance of a clown. Um, so it's that um, juxtaposition with a, a, a clown that looks sad, a sad clown persona um, that pops up a lot in, in work. So yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. So his nose makes him look like a joke and that really hurts his heart. But in the end, his the- mother never loved him. Roxanne was like the only woman in his life to ever show him love. And he, he loves her and they're oh, yeah, both and brilliant talk people. About that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the story itself is there's some parts in it. I was like, Oh, that's so silly. But when you described it differently as a gentleman's war, I don't know what that is, but okay. If you say so, mm-hmm. um, cause it just seems so weird that she could just cross battle lines and um, so soldiers. So war used to be something that families would go and see like for entertainment. So you would watch the battle lines in old England and old Europe. um, And yeah, people would be dying in front of you and folks would have their beverages and stuff like a picnic to watch the war. Um, uh, Starting with like the American revolution, I want to say, or maybe more colonization. Um, War became less violent. Um, no. So the violence is still there, but people became more covert, maybe is the word in how they operated during war. So it was seen mm. as gentlemanly to stand in front of your enemy and to shoot them in the face. Mm. Um, but when you're colonizing, you don't necessarily have to be a gentleman because you don't respect these people. So mm-hmm. you want to hide. You want to kill as many people as um, possible in a more discreet way. Um, so she could have walked up to the war and been like, hey, um, MC of the war. I'm here to see my boyfriend. That could have happened. Um, <laughs> it wasn't like trenches, you know, like that. Okay. All right. That's good. But yeah, that's, I, I would recommend this book audio version. So Alexis, thank you again. What are we reading next week for the last official show of our season before our roundup episode? For our season finale, we will cover, I'm glad my mom died by Jeanette McCurdy. And this is continuing a three-year-long tradition where we read a celebrity memoir for our final book. I'm really excited to get into this one. All right, you guys. Well, thank you for listening to Lit Society. We'll see you next Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Anaria and Kari Herrera. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love you too. We love you guys. 
If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit litsocietypod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, you guys, read read something. something. We, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mona Like our channel and subscribe below. (laughs) 